Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. Our next guest is a Marine Corps veteran who just so happens to have been in my very class at the Defense Information School. Yep, basic journalism course with uh, Staff Sergeant Brian Sutton as the instructor of Seaman Dame and Private Joe Chanelli, who has uh, gone quite a ways since then. He is now the executive director of AMVETS and joins us from the road this morning. Joe, how are you today? Never better, Eric. Good morning. How are you? Eh, you know, getting over a little 24-hour illness thing, but uh, I've, I'm feeling a lot better than I did yesterday, so that's a win. Of course, as I understand it, you're out on the road because you've got a town hall meeting out in Pennsylvania. So tell me a little bit about what you're doing today. Sure. So we um, have meetings all over the country where um, we usually partner up with a, a local uh, VA medical center or uh, other type of community uh, entities. Uh, we're working with a um, chamber of commerce in Erie, Pennsylvania today, um, where we'll be meeting with veterans who can come in, kind of let us know what uh, they're seeing as uh, obstacles and also as success points for them, so that we can learn how to better serve them and also uh, take lessons learned and apply them to other places in the country. And that's, of course, incredibly important because there are so many lessons to be learned, uh, you know, when it comes to uh, that can be shared between different locations, I guess I should say something that they may have figured out in Wyoming. Then they can then pass on to Pennsylvania and, and, of course, in the reverse. So good to see that you guys are doing that. Now, speaking of the VA, I understand there was a pretty major hearing yesterday afternoon with the Senate Veterans Affairs Committee. And, of course, you guys were there. So what can you tell us about that meeting? Sure. So the, um, the Senate committee uh, brought this together so they kind of talk about where things were moving into the new year. Uh, but there was also as we've talked about in your show here, a ton happening last year. And unfortunately, probably the biggest effort that we had last year was left un, unfinished, um, the Choice uh, Act. And so that the Choice Act and some vacancies, some big-time vacancies throughout the VA system uh, really made it for a much more tense hearing than anything we've seen in the last year. Um, Secretary Shulkin has been warmly welcomed by uh, Senate Veterans Affairs Committee and the House Veterans Affairs Committee, for that matter. Uh, all of last year, and the Senate had approved uh, Shulkin unanimously last year. Uh, he was the only uh, member of the cabinet who had that uh, distinction, which was pretty big, and uh, the president has reminded us all about that many times. Um, but there was, a, like, like I said, a lot of tension yesterday. Uh, the, the chairman, uh, Johnny Isaacson, uh, North Carolina told him there was no more room for excuses when he was talking about vacancies, and he's talking about specifically the four major positions under secretary and assistant secretary positions are still vacant in the VA. Um, and then Republican Jerry Moran, uh, who is really outspoken on the choice, um, has kind of some more extreme views on what choice should look like. Uh, he accused Shulkin of talking out of both sides of his mouth, uh, which is a uh, you know, a, a pretty big slam uh, up there, and uh, 
Secretary Shulkin did not like that at all, said he was disappointed with it, said it did not, uh, was not an accurate characterization of how he's uh, trying to work with both sides. Uh, bottom line is that there's, there's actually numerous sides, but there's two major bills right now in choice, and they have some conflicting parts. Um, and both sides claim that Shulkin has told them they, they, he supports their bill, uh, but he has not actually taken a publicly uh, public position on either bill other than to say they both line up with the different uh, the eight tenants uh, that he has outlined that are needed. So uh, a lot of tension there, um, some mandates from some of the senators. Uh, the ranking member, uh, John Tester from Montana, said, you, by the end of this week, you must give us a plan on how you're going to address the staffing shortfalls. Uh, Secretary Shulkin outlined a little bit of that, uh, a, a big part of that, um, course are doctors and nurses uh, and uh, the senator from Montana said that he uh, in Billings Montana there is a VA hospital there that only has about half the number of doctors it's supposed to have and that, that really puts obviously the patients at peril uh, it also puts the hospital um, in some of this legislation we're looking at um, potentially closing some VA facilities and capability or capacity is a big part of what will go into the deciding factor. And that could actually put the Billings, Montana VA hospital on the chopping block. And so that's very concerning. And I think if we go down the road of, of this BRAC um, type of system for the VA facilities, you're going to see a lot of this where senators and congressmen become very concerned about facilities within their uh, within their jurisdictions. You know, Joe, when we talk about these vacancies, uh, including up to the highest levels, where we're talking about undersecretaries, and now they're telling him they need a plan by the end of the week. I mean, we're a year into his tenure, basically, as uh, as uh, Secretary of the VA. What do you think the likelihood is that there's going to be any sort of plan uh, this week? And if there is a plan this week, now that they're finally really pushing for it, does that not say that there really there could have been one earlier? And, and, so, and Secretary Shulkin said that the plans are there, that they'll just need to better outline it. Um, there's definitely an agreement from all sides that better communication and um, more more effort to appear transparent. Uh, Secretary Shulkin said that they are being transparent, uh, but they need to communicate better to, to show that. Um, but you're right, the acting undersecretary for health has been vacant since Secretary Shulkin was plucked from that position to become the secretary. The undersecretary for benefits who oversees the entire claims process, the appeals process, the paying out of um, huge benefits such as disability, um, GI Bill, vocational rehab, extremely important things. Um, that position's been open since the fall of 2015 uh, when Elson Hickey uh, resigned in the controversy. Um, so this is something that goes way back into the last administration. Uh, they've had acting uh, people, Tom Murphy's been in there. They've had to change his title several times to uh, kind of slide through the laws because you, you can't be an acting undersecretary for too long. So they've had to have, he's someone who's acting as the acting, um, so, some kind <laughs> of ridiculous wordplay. Um, and so what the administration tells us right now is that they've held commissions uh, for the VBA position. They held a commission. Um, we know some names went up to the White House. The White House said, nope, we're not accepting those, hold a new commission. Um, so we were told back in December, middle of December, late December, that we would have a name put up before Christmas. Uh, obviously, that, that's uh, several weeks ago. 
uh, still no name. Um, they said that they're vetting uh, a name at this point, uh, the second choice. Um, we know they held a commission on at least one commission on the Undersecretary for Health, who oversees this entire very complicated um, Veterans Health Administration. And we're talking about some serious negotiations that are going on here, billions of dollars, um, you know, contracts and decisions that are affecting, will affect veterans for, for decades to come. We need the consistency. We need someone who has the full backing of the administration and the Senate uh, to be in those positions um, and I, I think the acting, the people, especially uh, Dr. Clancy, who's the acting undersecretary for health right now, I think she's very good, very experienced. She's been in the system for 10 years, and you know that could be a knock against her as well in, in a lot of people's eyes. Um, bottom line is they need that consistency. They've also created new positions. Um, they have a assistant secretary for accountability. They they got the Senate and the House to create that position uh, about 200 days ago, and it's still. There, there's no sign of, of progress there. They tell us that they're, again, they're vetting a candidate that they've chosen. But um, I, I know uh, background checks are important and things like that, but they shouldn't take this long. Yeah. Well, we're speaking with Joe Chanelli, the executive director of AMVETS and Marine Corps veteran, about the recent hearing on Capitol Hill involving, well, just yesterday when I say recent, but uh, with Secretary Shulkin and the Senate Veterans Affairs Committee. Uh, and we're going to move on into some other stuff, too, eventually. But another thing that they uh, talked to him about were his recent comments that uh, a lot of people weren't very happy with regarding VA research into medical marijuana. Did he clarify anything about what he had said recently? Because it didn't seem to mesh very well with what he had said uh, last year, earlier in the year. So you're, you're right, very contradicting messages coming out of the VA. Uh, in late December, I sat down uh, along with some of my colleagues from the other uh, veterans organizations. We sat down with Dr. Clancy, uh, as I just said, the Undersecretary for Health, and she had just put out a directive to the field um, telling doctors you can speak openly with your patients about the use of medicinal marijuana and um, you know, make sure that you have this open communication. Um, and she'd also told us that there were VA doctors who were interested in doing research, and it actually had put grant requests out to, to have that funded. Um, but apparently at the same exact time, uh, Dr. Shulkin was writing a letter uh, in response to a query from the Democrats um, in the House, um, and he said that VA would not um, conduct such research. And he cited... Some, some research that we think is really incomplete, and uh, we don't think that he really provided the proper context around some of the research. And he said that, this, that the use of medicinal marijuana has extremely negative effects for those suffering from PTSD, and that he thought it was dangerous um, to even do the research and that he wouldn't do the research. Um, so he was asked about that yesterday. And, uh, we, we've strongly disagreed with his letter, as has the American Legion. And I know you guys have a great op-ed up on, uh, on your website right now about it as well. Um, but he said that the VA would do the research if it wasn't for the red tape that um, the federal law wraps the VA in right now. Uh, so I would say he softened his stance. He did not talk about this um, research that we all think was incomplete. Um, he, he said that this is something that they would look at. Uh, he's been on the record several times in the past. Remember, he was the Undersecretary for Health before. And when he was, he talked about um, 
the benefits of medicinal marijuana and the need for more research and the need for more open discussion about this. So uh, we're hoping this, this is a sign that he's moving back to that. Um, I think this is just kind of a sign of the, the struggle that he has of kind of moving forward in the, in the way that he feels he should and the way his experiences and personal beliefs. And also he, he's got to remember who he works for. And, you know, as I think, um, as Jeff Sessions has shown, the administration really uh, opposes the use of medicinal marijuana, uh, certainly recreational use. Um, so we're not sure we're any better place than we were a week ago, but I think we're better than, in a place than we were Tuesday when this letter became public. Uh, so uh, much more to come, I'm sure, on this issue. You know, it was interesting to hear him kind of uh, seem to change his tune on marijuana and take a more hardline stance close to the time that we were seeing the attorney general take a hardline stance on it. Uh, I think a lot of people drew some conclusions that there was maybe some things said like, hey, we need to take back on this. As we know, our current president is someone who is uh, not a drinker, not a smoker, none of that stuff, uh, doesn't believe that those are good things. The attorney general uh, has made many statements in the past on on marijuana specifically. So it will be interesting to see what happens with medicinal marijuana. But I think most people happy to hear that yesterday he seemed to be uh, softening his stance. But he'd done that before, too. So in the end, we'll have to see exactly what happens about that. Now, another thing that the secretary talked about was the backlog of appeals. What kind of numbers and info can you give us on what the backlogs currently stand at and what he says is going to happen this year? Sure. So we know that there are 470,000, almost a half million appeals waiting decision right now. Um, We also know that the average time on that exceeds five years. Um, We know there's been veterans who waited seven years for an appeal to be decided. Um, And a lot of new legislation went into place last year. And again, going back to this hearing, a lot about this hearing was, hey, we gave you this and this through legislation. We need to see progress because of that. We need to see you using it. Um, So um, Secretary Shulkin said that they will decide, the VA will decide 80,000 appeals this year. Um, that's up from 30,000 appeals last year. So, But the, the math isn't as simple as it would sound. We're not going to be down to 420,000 appeals next year at this time um, just because we're going up 50, because there are still appeals coming in every day. Um, so there's improvements in the appeals. I'm sorry, in the, the original claims process as well. Uh, so hopefully that'll cut down the, nu- the number of appeals coming in. Um, hopefully veterans will be able to have better control of that claims process. Um, but a lot of this stuff's new, so we don't know yet. Um, a lot of it's still being tested. Uh, really on this appeals, a, a lot of this has been pushed through very quickly uh, without being tested uh, in some cases. So we're hopeful because we did help plan this or help uh, you know, lay out the, these new processes, but we'll see. Uh, bottom line is veterans are waiting way too long in the appeals process still, uh, and we'll see uh, probably within six months here of how effective these new processes are. 
And we're speaking with Joe Chanelli, Marine Corps veteran and executive director of AMVETS. You know, Joe, it's interesting now we're talking about the backlog and we're talking about uh, position vacancies. And, and those are the issues that uh, seem to be the biggest problems at the VA, the biggest concerns most people have are the, the bureaucracy of everything. But occasionally there are those stories that lead to problems with the care. One that's made a lot of ink lately, well, digital ink, I guess, since newspapers are kind of a thing of the past at this point, was the story of a scalpel being left in a VA patient. They asked the secretary about that, didn't they? They did. Um, uh, so the the story that came out just uh, uh, two days ago, three days ago, an Army veteran up in Bridgeport, Connecticut, uh, was in for surgery, and he has sued because he said that he has long-term uh, pains because a scalpel was actually left inside him um, as the surgery concluded. Um, uh, interestingly, and you don't usually see this in the healthcare world, uh, for sure, where malpractice uh, is such a, a, a huge economic driver, um, Secretary Shulkin admitted a complete fault for the VA yesterday on this. Um, not that there really would have been a question about it, but again, it's not something you usually see. Um, and he said that, um, you know, unfortunately some of these things happen at times and that they are looking at all the internal processes, everything you would normally expect. Um, but he, he did also add that the percentage of major mistakes like this much lower within the VA than it is in the private sector. Uh, I, I'll tell you, we're researching that today, um, our early research does seem to indicate that. Um, but the bottom line was that he, he took accountability for it. And uh, very scary, obviously, to uh, think, though, that any doctor in uh, an advanced, the most advanced uh, medically advanced world um, country in the world, that that could happen, and especially from in a government hospital. You know, mistakes do happen, and actually the, the story that we have posted on Connecting Vets, we put it up on our Facebook page, at Connecting Vets, for people who want to check that out and follow us, had a, uh, a veteran say that their father had three sponges left inside of them that eventually became like part of the body, essentially. They can't even get rid of him right now. So that wasn't at a VA hospital, I don't believe. I think it was at a regular one. But these kind of mistakes, while rare, do indeed happen. So uh, it's a horrifying story. But again, considering all the patients that they see every year, the reason this made the news is because it is out of the ordinary. It's not happening every day. So we do need to take that into account while also holding the VA accountable when mistakes like that are made. So those are important things. So, you know, overall, Joe, when you talk about this hearing with the Senate Veterans Affairs Committee and Secretary Shulkin, what do you think the takeaway is from it? I mean, has has Capitol Hill's opinion on Secretary Shulkin soured a bit, or do you think this is just kind of uh, trying to light a fire under the VA's rear end to get them moving on some things? Well, I hope that this is just a very clear sign that the the honeymoon is, is over, and I don't mean that in as negative connotations it could have, but that there will be real accountability here. And the excuses, you know, my personal leadership uh, philosophy is you take away people's excuses. And so the secretary came in last year, the VA as a whole came in and said, hey, these are the, the different legislative things we need, the changes we need to be able to move forward and fix the problems that we all know exist. And, you know, really the Senate and the House did a, a pretty good job at that. Um, Clearly, the choice is not through yet, and that's that's a big one. Um, but I don't know that that identifies or 
you know, fights the problem as much as some of these other things, some of these accountability and hiring authorities and things like that. Um, so hopefully this is this is the Senate's way of starting to say, hey, we expect to see real results now this year, and here's our baseline. Let, let's get moving and keep coming back to us if there's more things you need, but know that we can't just keep looking at problems. We've got to actually figure out ways to really fix them. Um, there was one problem on the uh, hiring authority, by the way, I should have mentioned earlier. Um, the secretary identified that there was some administrative problems in the wording, and it actually reduced their ability to hire in some ways. And so that was one legislative ask that the secretary had yesterday. Um, but bottom line is the excuses are, are over with, as um, the chairman himself said yesterday. Yeah, a lot going on in that meeting. And, of course, AMVETS was there, and we're speaking with their executive director, Joe Schinelli. Now, let's move on to some AMVETS items. I understand you guys have a, a pretty big hire that you want to announce this morning. Yes, uh, we've hired a new chief strategy officer, um, and it's Sherman Gillums, uh, Jr., who's a another Marine veteran. Actually, he was a, you know, he was combat camera once upon a time. Uh, so he's a Dinfo's grad as well. Nice. Uh, he he is a uh, he was a chief warrant officer. Um, uh, he was preparing for deployment uh, to Camp Pendleton uh, just after nine eleven, and uh, he was badly injured in an accident and a collision, and uh, was paralyzed. Um, he has been a, uh, a a giant in the advocacy world uh, since then. Uh, he started off as a service officer uh, with paralyzed veterans, and he worked his way up, became their executive director. Um, and uh, he, he left uh, PVA last year um, as he, he wants to expand his views and expand his impact. And uh, we're extremely, um, extremely pleased that he chose AMVETS to be the place where he le- he's landed and uh, will be working with us to really... Uh, have a much more aggressive and more forward-looking uh, advocacy uh, program. And so, again, he's going to be our chief strategy officer. We're, we're really excited about this, and uh, he's already already working hard. He was already up to, um, met with the secretary this week, and um, we'll be uh, we'll have we'll make sure we have him on the show very soon. Wow, we definitely look forward to that, and great to hear that you've brought such an outstanding member onto the team over at AMVETS. Uh, and, of course, I've also heard that you guys have uh, something to say about people standing for the national anthem, particularly in regards to the NFL. been a very big topic of discussion over the past six months or so. So what can you tell us about that? Sure. So we've had uh, an opportunity now to actually uh, bring our voice right to the Super Bowl, um, and so we'll be having display uh, advertising right there at the Super Bowl that just uh, lets, lets people know that um, you know, we want them to stand. Uh, we're, we're not trying to bash anyone over the head on this thing. We're not trying to tell anybody that, you know, that they can't express themselves as, as they are you know, constitutionally uh, allowed. Uh, and, you know, they have the right to, but we want to let them know our view is that this is not the, the best way to protest and that they should be standing for the national anthem, for our flag. Um, and, again, it's, uh, we're not going to try to make this a, in a harsh way, but we think it's an important message and we think their, their biggest stage is the, is the place to, to, to deliver it. 
You know, it's something that, uh, again, a few months ago was pretty big. In recent months, there seemed to be uh, a lot less focus on it, a lot fewer of the players kneeling, which is something that uh, most people seem to be very uh, happy about. But interesting to hear that the VSOs, you know, this is this is the kind of thing that, again, as you said, you guys aren't looking to beat anybody over the head with it, but you're looking to say like, hey, we, we understand uh, what you're doing and why you say you're doing it, but there may be better ways to go about it. And I think most people can appreciate the tact that AMVETS and other organizations are taking on that. Well, we've been speaking with the executive director of AMVETS, Mr. Joe Chanelli, Marine Corps veteran, my DIMFOS classmate. And Joe, if people want to find out more about AMVETS, if they're interested in joining AMVETS, uh, you know, working with AMVETS, where can they go to find out more about your wonderful organization? Uh, check us out at AMVETS.org or on any of the social media platforms. And they are very active on those and very active around the world of veterans advocacy. So highly recommend that you check out AMVETS if you haven't already. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.